It is 21 minutes uh, before 9 p.m. Uh, we've seen stories over the weekend, uh, widely reported on conflict uh, within uh, our intelligence structures as a nation. And this evening, we're asking ourselves, what is the state of play in the world of intelligence here in South Africa? And what uh, really needs to happen for our agencies to not only be responsive uh, to some of the threats that we see um, uh, prior to them actually happening, so that we can have some form of early warning systems, but also how uh, do our authorities uh, in the world of intelligence respond uh, to some of the rapid changes that have happened uh, in the world of uh, security. And uh, I'm joined uh, on the line by a security analyst and director for Africa at the Terrorism Research and Analysis Consortium, and that is Jasmine Opperman. Jasmine, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Good evening. Good evening, Ibunga, and good evening to your listeners. Jasmine, maybe if, if we can start with your organization, the interesting name, Terrorism Research and Analysis Consortium. What does the consortium do? Uh, first, just a point of clarity, Ibonga, I'm not with them anymore. Oh. I left them about three months ago, but I've been with them for six to seven years, where we primarily focused on uh, political violence, extremism, mm. and terrorism, and where I was responsible for Africa. Okay. I'm still doing the same work, but in a private capacity. I see, I see. Okay. Jasmine, let's maybe start off there, um, just on that point. I think uh, uh, the whole aim of this particular conversation is to maybe let some of us in who might not be familiar with uh, the functioning of uh, some of these agencies, and more importantly, some of the risks that they've had to respond to over the last few years or so. I want us to maybe start off with uh, you know, the risks and threats of terrorism. Uh, I remember uh, the Tulsi Twins, I think that, that was their name, um, uh, who were alleged to have been involved in some form or the other with ISIS. Uh, and I'm quite interested, I guess, if we can use that example briefly. Uh, you know, how does that process work? How, how do the intelligence agencies pick up uh, some of those uh, threats prior, of course, to any big risk event happening? And uh, what mechanisms and tools do they have at their disposal to be able to gather that kind of information? Uh, the thing that has happened, if we can briefly refer to the Tulsi case, what we must keep in mind, and I think that's the concerning part mm. about that case, it was an entrapment case. Oh, they yeah. were talking to an FBI person under the idea, under the illusion, that they were actually talking to an ISIS member. Mm. That lured them, and keep in mind, it goes and it stands in contradiction to our law to lure someone into an act of crime or act of terrorism. Mm. And this is what has happened to them. But that they were on their way to Syria cannot be disputed. They were, that was like a walk-in information being provided by a family member. And the fundamental question there comes back, when they were stopped at the airport, why were they not given support? by means of de-radicalization, if indeed radicalization has taken place. Mm. So there are a lot of questions. But for an intelligence service these days, focusing on terrorism specifically, and they are on Telegram, and they are not into the chat groups of terror group organizations worldwide, they will simply fade away and not be up to date with trends and development mm. that's taking place. And an intelligence service needs to be 24-7 on those channels. Look what's being put up. Look where there are links traced back to Africa, to this region, and follow it up when need be. And, 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 you know, I guess many people would argue that uh, even the, the scope and the aperture of the kind of uh, risks that uh, uh, we're talking about here has widened 
significantly over the last few decades or so. If you look at some of the cyber attacks that have happened and uh, the scale and the pace at which uh, technology has advanced, I mean, you know, people can operate a drone all the way out in the United States and attack people all the way out in the Middle East without having to even uh, 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 dispatch a human body to do so. Uh, one would think that that also would require some form of sophistication in the early warning systems embedded in the intelligence gathering process. Most definitely, and I think that is where one of our serious concerns lies, is that, uh, one, do we have the access, do we have the operational skills to be able to access early warning intelligence in time? We have place to make sure that whoever must can be informed immediately. Remember, our domestic intelligence service, the State Security Agency, can only advise to the relevant departments and if that is not in place, with the speed things are running, we are going to lag behind. Cybersecurity, as a case in point, has been proven over and over not to be in place, be up to standard, and can easily be hacked. And that is a, is a serious question. If we're still relying on systems that's five years and older as an intelligence service, we are left vulnerable to other intelligence services and other foreign role players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, how does one keep up to date here? I mean, is it a, is it a function of uh, uh, collaboration and cooperation with other agencies that are at the cutting edge of this kind of stuff, or, or how does that work? I think that is a very important question, and I think that is the problem with, with um, intelligences worldwide. I would see not only our intelligence service, is that they hide behind their faces. They see their capacity confined to the people they have appointed. Where are there are many experts out there? If you, for example, I want to go onto, onto the dark web. I've been on the dark web. Ah, Jasmine, Jasmine, I want us to pause there for a second and uh, I want you to come back to that point about the dark web uh, you are making. It's just that we need to reestablish you on a much better line. Um, Oh, no. I I think we're having a bit of a challenge here uh, with uh, uh, your line. I certainly hope uh, um, there isn't uh, any interception and uh, all manner of other things because of uh, what we're talking about. But uh, that's me uh, playing in the world of uh, uh, conjecture, speculation and conspiracy. Let's take this brief break and Jasmine will try and reconnect uh, your line on the other side of this brief break. Jasmine, I hope we have you back on a better line there. I'm sorry, Ayabong. I'm sorry ah, to your listeners awesome, for awesome, that. Awesome, awesome. You were still making the point of uh, if Ayabonga went into the dark web, um, yeah, what would happen? The dark web is a sick place. Let's be frank about it. And I think it's shocking to see what you get. But if you don't know what you are looking for, you are going to be lost. You need specialists on the dark web that can take you directly to issues of relevance to the national security of South Africa. Mm. And I am sorry, and it's sad for me to say I've been in intelligence more than 15 years. It's a tradecraft I take so much pride in that for this point in time, I don't know of any capacity to be able to do that uh, on a frequent basis. Mm. But why do you want the capacity inside if there are people outside that's willing to provide you with that information. To rely on foreign intelligence services, yes. You need cooperation. You need to work with Interpol. You need to work with um, whoever out there, uh, be it Russia, be it America, whatever it is. But we must remember, foreign intelligence services serve their country. They also have their interests, yeah, yeah. So they will give you information quite often 
just as verification. Mm. They are testing you all the time. So it's a give-and-take situation where there are political undertones. So just to rely on foreign services is a dangerous game. You yeah. need to build your capacity at home. That is what the president expects of the intelligence service, to be loyal and accountable to the people of South Africa. Mm. But let's also talk about when politics interfaces with these agencies. Mm. I mean, we've seen uh, in the last uh, few decades here, it might have been, you know, uh, when uh, the likes of Billy Masetla and many others were there, and uh, the role that they ended up playing, not only in the the politics of uh, government, but even inside of the politics of uh, the governing party, the African National Congress. Um, you know, h- how do we ensure that, I guess, we insulate uh, these agencies from some of these politics and we don't find a situation where uh, they actually, if in effect, are used as pawns in these political games where we see all manner of, um, you know, uh, a rogue intelligence reports and uh, uh, coming out to justify certain kinds of political actions? I think, again... Let's not put South Africa in a glass box here. Politicization is a harsh reality. Mm. Um, but what has happened the last eight or ten years in South Africa goes much further than politicization. Is the blatant abuse of your intelligence capacity to serve a very specific individual interest or a group of individuals' interests by your top leadership. And this is where your problem comes in. The moment your top leadership sells out, your pockets of excellence that want to do the work and can do the work are left outside and in the cold. Because the one question that they cannot get away from, and I'm referring to people that were in control during the time of former President Jacob Zuma. Mm. Let's be specific. Let's not beat around the bush. If indeed they were concerned about state capture and corruption, why was the case not reported to the Constitutional Court of South Africa, which according to law is permissible? And if it has not been reported, we are looking at one of the greatest intelligence failures in the mm, history mm, of mm, South Africa. Mm. And I'm talking the new South Africa, I'm not talking part, because sure. that was, I mean, over-politicized to the extreme in serving a specific apartheid ideology, but was the genocide against human dignity. Mm. But yeah. that the leadership has to go to the state commission and answer this question. And it's a simple question to answer. Why haven't you? Why the need for so many COVID structures? Why the need for a COVID structure compiled of former Defence Force members if you do not have executive powers? It does not make sense. Why are you not talking to the people of South Africa, marketing yourself, issuing alerts, staying up front, with your mandate. And my and I think the problem we are sitting now within the intelligence service is threefold. One, we sit with new leadership that is being appointed by a Jasmine, new president, Jasmine, which always happens. Jasmine, I want us to pause there because I need to take a spot break. So let's start with the three things that you're mentioning and uh, I guess you are itemizing and listing them uh, on the other side of this uh, spot break. I don't want to, I guess, I'll cut wait. you in I'll half uh, when you get to uh, sort of part one of the second one. Uh, Let's take this brief break and we continue on the other side. I'd love to hear some of your perspectives on this conversation that we're having about our intelligence services. Are they fit for purpose? 
Six minutes it is before 9 p.m. And under the microscope this evening, we take a look at uh, South Africa's uh, intelligence capability and uh, I guess uh, uh, all of the uh, security issues related to that. And I'm in conversation with Jasmine Opperman. She's an independent security analyst joining us uh, for this conversation. Jasmine, you were still outlining, I guess, the three things that you think uh, if we could fix in our intelligence services, we'd be able to, uh, one, not only build trust between the agencies and the South African populace, but also ensure that uh, we're able to uh, detect security risks and uh, risk events uh, prior, of course, uh, to uh, the, um, I guess, eventually unfolding. I think there are a few important factors. One is your top leadership needs to get its act together and realize that its responsibility is not towards the president, towards the people. Secondly, and there are pockets of excellence, I want to tell this to your listeners, mm. and I know some of them personally. They are brilliant people, and they are brilliant young people moving into that world. But they are being left out in a world of confusion because of a lack of decisive management. You need management with experience. Mm. You need management that understands intelligence. Then you need a vision. You cannot fix eight years of total neglect and total abuse without putting out a strategy step by step. That is to say, my advice to the intelligence services, get a strategy in place in which you take small steps towards rebuilding the state security agency. By restructuring it, you are not addressing the problem. You are complicating the problem. Focus on the problems anyhow. Make sure your accountable your processes processes of accountability are in place and adhere to. But make sure you execute your mandate based on your small step approach. Make sure you talk to the people of South Africa. Make sure you keep them informed without compromising the source. No one wants to know who your sources are. That is not what we want to hear. Mm. We want to know that our intelligence service is professional and is accountable to us as the people of South Africa. Recently, I've read that people have been suspended. Step in the right direction. But I know of people that have been suspended for up to five years mm. and no action has been taken. So my question is, okay, they've been suspended, but do you have the capacity to deal with this decisively? Mm. I lack it. I doubt seriously. And this creates doubt in the minds of people. Hmm. What do you make, uh, Jasmine, of uh, the panel that uh, President Sir Ramaphosa put together, uh, uh, chaired by Dr. Sidney Mufamadi, and uh, some of the recommendations they came out with earlier on this year? I think uh, the president released that report around March of uh, 2019, actually, this year, just a few months ago. Um, That's correct. I, yes, yeah. yes. What do you make of some of the recommendations that uh, the Mufamadi uh, uh, report uh, spoke to? Look, first, let me just say, some of the people on that panel, brilliant. Uh, I've worked under, for instance, uh, Mr. Barry Gilder, mm. and it was only a pleasure. I think the disappointment, though, with that report, twofold. The mandate of the intelligence service remains too open-ended. They need to be far more precise in defining what, if we talk national security, what are we talking about? Mm. Corruption has a national security implication, but corruption is a law and order, a prosecution process to sure. take place. So where does the intelligence service fit into this process? Does it have a role to play? Gangsterism is crime intelligence. 
the intelligence service is not there to replace prime intelligence. Mm. It's to support. So defining that mandate for me remained a bit vague and the focus on the restructuring, not on the problems in-house. I think those are the two most disappointing factors of that specific report, and it's a matter that will have to be addressed now urgently by management in control. Mm. What, what, what do you think can be better done when it comes to uh, creating some form of two-way dialogue between uh, South African citizens? Uh, I mean, you spoke about uh, those updates and, uh, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, uh, releases that say, hey, a certain country is not a place you should be going to. This is based on whatever intelligence we've gathered as a country. How do we ensure that that dialogue continues to happen so that you don't have uh, this deep-seated uh, sense of mistrust that many in the public have uh, of our intelligence agencies. Uh, there's this big sense that a lot of surveillance is happening and a lot of uh, interception of communications is happening uh, without uh, people knowing. And, of course, sometimes you shouldn't know. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, how do we create this understanding so that people know and uh, uh, begin to get a sense that this is a living entity and not you know, some invisible and amorphous entity? I just want, before answering your question, if mm. you would allow me one sure. second, I just want to emphasize to the listeners, and the state security agency has no right to listen to a telephone conversation, to do surveillance, or even to do investigations on a person if certain processes have not been adhered to. Mm. And it, I don't want to speculate on the weekend's reports. I am not privy to that level sure. of uh, secret information. But okay. if that is happening, that is truly disconcerting. But this is where the problem kicks in. Again, South Africans are being informed via newspapers. Where is the communication strategy? Where is the website? Where is the Twitter account? Where is the Facebook page? Where the intelligence service starts talking about its plans, about what it's doing, about travel alerts, about what is going to be put in place to secure the people of South Africa. And these are the matters that needs to be part of a marketing strategy. What is preventing top management to once a month have a session with journalists, where journalists are afforded the opportunity to come with their questions and the top leadership of your intelligence service responds in an honest, direct manner in terms of what is happening. Mm. Again, without compromising certain information, secrecy, is always part of intelligence. Sure, but sure. secrecy must be justifiable and reasonable. And I think it's time to get behind this James Bond idea, mm. this idea of hiding away. Get out as top management. You don't have to be a James Bond. You can talk to the people of mm. South Africa. Start talking. Don't let the city press talk mm. on your behalf. Why? Where is the official response? Sure. What is going to be done? Jasmine, we'll have to leave it there on uh, those point and points that you make. They really appreciate you taking time out uh, to speak to us this evening. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Jasmine Opperman is an uh, independent security analyst and she was speaking to us this evening about uh, the state of play when it comes to our intelligence services and also giving us uh, some nuggets of wisdom there at the end saying, unless proper procedures have been followed, uh, no entity is allowed to investigate or even intercept your communications uh, without following some of those procedures. And of course, secrecy is also part and parcel of uh, this particular industry and uh, it's a part of the tools of the trade. We'll have to leave it there, uh, ladies and gents. It's been a pleasure being with you this evening. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, Africa. Asgat Banga.
ليكونون